Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the Infinite Boost podcast. This is your host, Tom. And before we get going, I would just like to share some responses that our guests have had from the past couple of episodes. In episode 36, King Rainey asked what the first thing was that came to mind when he said 1v1. Restless leg robot said kickoffs and frustrations. I mean, I don't disagree with you there sometimes. Rhett Selim said self-accountability, which I think is super important and super valuable when it comes to one, because that's really what it comes down to. Everything is your fault in ones, which is a blessing and a curse. Elize, in his episode, asked, what do you do to keep Rocket League fun? And Code Red, a new member of the Discord, said that the drive to GC keeps him going and is enjoyable about the game. Playing with others from the community and joining leagues and tournaments really help him keep fun coming to him in the game. And Dot said to keep Rocket League fun, he makes sure that he plays with friends. Uh, He keeps up competition. He's been participating in the Indie Game League as well for a while and training. So thank you to those guys for your responses to the questions. I will do my best to read some of them on every episode, but I will not get to all of them. If you would like to continue the conversation or see what everybody is saying, please again be sure to join the Discord. It's been growing, getting more active, and it's been really enjoyable. Uh, We did some roulette league over the weekend, which was a lot of fun as well. If you're curious what that is, well, you'll just have to join the Discord. This episode this week is really fun. It's actually somebody that I've known for over a decade now. Uh, has nothing to do with Rocket League and everything to do with Rocket League. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Ed. Let's start the show. Well, this is going to be a a very interesting episode, hopefully not just for me, but also for all the listeners out there. Today, I have somebody, when I uh, sent him a message on Twitter, uh, I asked, hey, do you play video games or do you even know what Rocket League is? And he said, no. Do you even play video games? Not really anymore. So obviously, this is a big change of pace uh, for the show in terms of the conversation that we're going to have. Uh, But not only that, uh, Ed, my guest, is a former student of mine uh, way back in a different life. I was a teacher um, and he was a senior, I believe, my first year of teaching. No, maybe maybe second year you were a senior. Uh, I was a music teacher. I had Ed in guitar class. and now he uh, is a grown man, an adult, doing some pretty cool things. He uh, was a college basketball player and now is a college coach. But uh, Ed, thank you so much. Before we get into that, thank you so much for uh, being willing to uh, join me in this little adventure. No doubt, Tom. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's It's been a while, man. And, and yeah, I think it was my senior year, senior year guitar class um, that I was in, which was which is probably the best class I had um, in my senior year. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for sure. It was a lot of fun. Uh, But now uh, things have obviously changed a little bit over the past 12 years. Um, So I knew you as a very successful student and basketball player. And then fortunately enough, uh, I I really kind of followed your story uh, because you shared a lot of stuff on on Twitter. Uh, But go ahead and... uh, share kind of your background in terms of athletics in college and what you're doing now. Um, so 
I started off playing basketball in high school. I, actually, before that, I mean, I started playing when I was, I believe, four or five years old and then um, played some middle school basketball and eventually got to, to high school uh, where I kind of made a decision that I wanted to to take basketball pretty seriously and, um, you know, pursue it at, at the collegiate level after high school. Um, at, at During high school, I was recruited, um, you know, to play Division two basketball, Division three basketball, but uh, the dream that I had was to play Division One basketball. So, um, you know, I, I continued to work and pursue that goal. Um, hard summers of, of skill development, hard summers of, of uh, mental toughness, physical toughness, trying to overcome, you know, the aspect that I didn't have a scholarship to play basketball at a Division One school. Um, but, you know, uh, I continued to work at it. And, and eventually um, my senior year, uh, going into going into my freshman year of college, I had an opportunity to um, get connected to some guys at DePaul University. Is where um, I played basketball for for four years, and um, you know during my time at DePaul early on, I was I'll go to the rec, play a little basketball um, there. I actually tried out for their club basketball team and made it um, as a freshman. So I was playing a little bit of club basketball, a little bit of intramurals. Uh, things to that matter. So I wasn't yet on the actual team when I first got there. So uh, my story is a little different than than others. Um, but then uh, they had a uh, a walk on tryout. So um, walk ons are uh, student athletes who want to come and play on the basketball team, but don't specifically have a scholarship to play. Um, so as a as a walk on or in walk on tryouts, my number one thing was I wanted to I work everyone in the gym. Um, and that was including the guys that were there on scholarship. That was including the guys that were there trying out with me. Um, that was that was the main goal. The goal was to, to outwork everyone. So when it came to sprints, I was the first one finished with the sprints. When it came to making hustle plays, I was the first one diving on the floor. Um, just things like that to, to help make me stand out during that time. Um, so the first day passed. And, um, you know, it, it was a two day tryout, I believe. So the first day passed, they invited me back for the second day. And then the second day it passed, went back to the dorm and I got a call from the graduate assistant on the team uh, that was there that was working with the team. And he called me, was like, hey, we want you to come back tomorrow, uh, kind of meet with coach and, uh, you know, kind of discuss some things. So to me, I was excited about it because I didn't, obviously I didn't know if that meant I was on the team or not, but just to have an opportunity to go back and have an, uh, another, another crack at it was really all I was hoping for. So, um, weird story. I got kind of cut and put on the team at the same time. So when I got back to the gym the next day, uh, coach Oliver Purnell, who was my head coach for four years, uh, tremendous, tremendous coach, tremendous guy, um, calls me into the gym and he comes up to me and he's like, you know what, we thank you for trying out, but we're just going to, you know, continue to go with the the guys that we have on the team right now. And, um, you know, we hope that you come support us during the year. And I was like, yeah, sure, coach, I definitely will. And I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and then he walks out the door. And at the same time, the, the graduate assistant that called me was standing, standing right there. He was like, wait, 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 that's wrong. So he sprints out go gets coach, brings him back in. And coach was like, I'm sorry, I got you mixed up with another guy. But uh, we want to make sure <laughs> we want you to go. We actually want you to practice today. So go upstairs. We'll get you some practice gear and some shoes and stuff and then come back down and 
you know. So in that process, it's been about uh, that process took about a week. So we practiced for about a week and um, our our facility that we usually have our home games on was in Rosemont, which was about 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes from Chicago. So we had a practice out in Rosemont. We come back from practice and coach stops me again off the bus. Um, he was like, hey, I want to talk to you real quick. So he pulls me over to the side. He was like, you've been with us for about a, a week or so practicing and things of that matter. And, you know, we want to officially um, invite you to be part of the program so you can call your mom and your dad and, you know, let them know that you'll be uh, a walk on with us for for this year. And um, I was obviously super ecstatic. So <laughs> um, I ran upstairs, showered, got my stuff on and quickly called my mom, dad. And um, and it's been a, a pretty good experience with that. And, you know, throughout my collegiate basketball career, I, I, I didn't play a whole lot. Um, I guess a couple of highlights of my careers was um, I, I was actually able to earn a scholarship to play um, as a junior. Uh, they put me on scholarship as a junior. So I, I got to earn that. I was the uh, president of our captain's council, which was uh, a grouping of all the captains from every sport at, at DePaul. Um, they actually, did, as a, as a group, they voted me as the president of the captain's council um, and things to that matter. So it was a, it was a great experience uh, from a player standpoint, met a lot of friends, met a lot of great people. Um, and it eventually jump started me into the coaching career that I'm in now. Um, you know, I started my coaching career as a, a graduate assistant there at DePaul um, right after I was done playing. So I got to work under Coach Purnell as well as play under Coach Purnell. And then uh, once he resigned from there, I got an opportunity to coach uh, to to work under Coach Dave Lato, who's currently at DePaul right now. So. Um, it was a lot of great experiences, and, and it kind of jumpstart me on the, the path of college coaching that I'm on now. And then where did you go after DePaul? Because you, I think you made a couple other stops, right? I did. I did. So after DePaul, after my graduate assistant uh, ship at DePaul, I went down to Florida, um, Bradenton, Florida, which is about 30, 45 minutes south of Tampa. Um, and I coached some some prep school basketball. Uh, which is a little different. It's it's a mixture between uh, it's a high school, very elite high school basketball, as well as a post grad program, which I was the head coach of. And the uh, post grad program is for for student athletes who uh, graduated after their uh, senior year, graduated, needed some more time to kind of develop their skill sets, kind of develop more in the classroom. So they it's called a gap year that they have. So they use that gap oh, okay. year before they get to college. Um, and they don't use any eligibility for post-grad or anything like that. So it's kind of a, a gap year where they can kind of enhance their skills and hone in so, on some different things uh, before getting to college. So I had coached that team. I was there actually for two years. Um, it was a, a great experience. Met a lot of people, especially in the coaching world. Um, got an opportunity to coach some elite athletes who are um, at playing at the highest level of college basketball right now. Um, and it, it was a, a great experience, and I got to learn a lot, especially um, under under a great coach that's down there as well. And now, where are you? So now I'm currently at Lincoln College, which is uh, NAIA in Central Illinois. Um, we actually just uh, transitioned from junior college to NAIA two years two years ago. So I was kind of in the 
um, transition stage as an assistant coach from JUCO to NAIA, which is a four-year institution, um, rather mm. than the JUCO, which is or junior college, which is the two-year institution. So, uh, you know, making that transition was was great. Um, uh, helps me kind of understand uh, how to help. Um, you know, push things forward that you know may may take some time. So we had to do it really quickly. So it's more of a lot of um, thought processes as far as advancing a, a program in a way that you want it to go quickly. Um, so that's currently where I am now. I just finished my second season at Lincoln, um, working on my third season coming up. Uh, so it's it's been a it's been a um, experience. It's been a great ride so far, and you know just want to continue to grow as a coach, um, grow as a person, and hopefully I can, you know, touch others, touch other people's lives as I continue to do that. So. Now, do you have a team of your own or are you only in an assistant role right now? So our program does have two, two different teams. So we have a junior varsity team, which I head coach and, uh, the varsity team, which is our, our, our main team that travels, um, and plays cross country and all that kind of stuff. So, the junior varsity team is kind of the development team. So I have a lot of freshmen on that team who are looking to, uh, you know, understand the program, understand our, our system, understand what it means to be a student athlete uh, in college, uh, learn how to balance both academics and athletics. So it's kind of a developmental stage. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we still play great competition. Um, we still get practices in. We still have, uh, you know, elite co- uh, competitive uh, practices that we, you know, allow our guys to kind of showcase their skills. And it's also an opportunity for them to show um, if they can actually play at the, the varsity level. Even this past season, we had about four or five guys move from that developmental uh, team up to the, the varsity level. Um, so that's nice. kinda, kind of both what I do as far as the, the program's concerned. It's uh, the assistant coach and also the head coach of the, of the junior varsity program. Nice. So let's go back all the way to high school mm-hmm. um you were talking about you know being recruited and really having the goal of being at a division one school but not really getting noticed so in terms of let's start with let's start with this what was your process of looking at your game from almost like a third person perspective mm-hmm. To say like, okay, this is where I'm at. I obviously have talent. I have skill. I know I'm capable of more. What did you do to get better or figure out how to improve or take yourself to the next level on a consistent basis when you already feel you're already performing at a, at a high level? Um, so kind of what I did was I focused on the things that I knew I needed to work on um, and that comes with studying the game and it also comes with studying where you're trying to go. Um, you know, at, at, in high school, I probably majority of the time played out of position. Uh, I kind of played the the power forward spot because, you know, we weren't super big. We had another kid. I was about six, eight, six, nine. But uh, other than that, we had a, a couple of six, five kids and I was about six, three, six, four, and I was kind of interchangeable um, on the floor. However, thinking about getting to the college level, there's not a lot of, or at, even at all, any six, three power forwards, you know, uh, yeah. you know, being able to understand where you want it to go and how that looks is, is, is mostly key. 
um, once I found out, like, hey, at six three, you can't be a a you know even maybe a small four power forward in in college. You need to really work on your ball handling. You know, you have to be able mm-hmm. to protect the basketball. You need to be able to make decisions um, with the ball in your hand. So, you know, over the my junior year and my senior year summers, that's kind of what I did. I, I got in the gym um, nearly every day that I could. Um, and we're working on, you know, different ball handling drills, working on decision making, um, working on different finishes at the rim, working on shooting, working on how to, to catch the ball in proper positions, working on footwork, things of that matter. And, and I, I, I honestly thought I had an edge with my competitiveness because I'm, I'm super competitive and I, and I love um, competing at the highest level as far as being tough and things of that matter, but I needed to kind of gather um, a skill set or or in, enhance my skill set to kind of uh, intertwine with that competitiveness that I already had. So thinking thinking that way is the reason why I decided to to hone in on you know working on my my ball skills, working on decision making. Um, obviously, continue to learn how to shoot because if you can't shoot, it's it's a detriment um, at the college level. So you know, being able to make open shots, um, being able to get open shots, uh, those are the things uh, during that time that kind of clicked with me um, in order to, to make a, a difference and understand that, hey, this is what you'll need to do if you want to play at the college level. So then talk to me a little bit about, because this I mean, when did you kind of make that decision or when did you when did you start getting recruited? Um, I think I made that decision. Uh, I would say the summer. Going into my junior year. Um, that's when I started getting some interest from, you know, the Division two programs, Division three programs um, that were that were out there or that were close by. So I kind of made that decision. Like, hey, I have an opportunity to really do this at the collegiate level. So um, during the summer, my junior year is kind of when I make that decision. Um, and, and funny story, my uh, senior year, I was not going to play. Like I, I kind of said, I played football as well. And um, I was so focused on trying to play basketball at the collegiate level I kind of took a step back in the summertime for football workouts, things of that matter. So I was on the cusp of not understand, not not knowing if I wanted to play football that's that year or not, or just focus on basketball. So I was kind of in a in a pickle with that. But um, you know, I, I I didn't go to any of the summer football workouts. I spent most of my time in the gym um, trying to work on my basketball game because that's kind of where I wanted to go um, and wanted to do in college. So I I definitely made that decision, and then. I still played my senior year uh, football, but it was mostly a a conscious decision on my end. Like, hey, you're not going to you really don't want to play football in college. You want to play basketball. So you need to do or take the necessary time to hone in on these skills um, that you might not have time for during the season to do, you know, because you Mm -hmm. go from straight from football to basketball. There's no time to really kind of hone on these skills. Take the summer. Uh, to work on those things, especially with, you know, the recruitment that was starting to pick up and things to that matter. So I made the decision in my junior year, but really, really honed in 
on it my senior the senior the summer before my senior year this is like a year-long process then yes i mean you you really almost a, a year and a half correct because you made this decision before your junior year of high school mm-hmm. and then all the way through your senior years when you were really hunkering down trying to get to where you wanted to go and like you said you really didn't even get exactly what you were looking for by the time high school was over so it was almost a four-year process to get the goal of uh getting a scholarship correct correct uh getting you know school paid for so what what is it like working on something that's skill-based that is you know um, directly correlated to how you are performing against not only all the teams that you're playing, but then also the teammates that you are constantly always also getting recruited and are already on the team. Like, how do you, how do you keep the focus on a goal that long? Or how do you, what, what were some of the things that you kept within yourself to just stay on that path for so long? Um, I guess it was just my, like, again, my competitiveness and my drive to, to, to do something and try to get to the, the highest level of it. I think that was what it was for me. Um, and the tediousness of it, um, you know, I, and, and what really helps too, is that you see others that are around you that are kind of, um, succeeding in that way. Uh, when I was in high school or senior year, we played, uh, oh, actually it was my junior year. Um, our crosstown rival Centennial won, Champagne Centennial won the state tournament. And that team that they had had four to five Division One dudes on it, guys who were bona fide Division One guys. Monsters. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you have James Kenny, Ravante Rice, Jeff Johnson, um, Josh Piper. Those guys are Division One guys, you know? So when you're playing against a level of – or that caliber level of basketball and that caliber level of players, you're like, okay, so this is what it looks like, you know? So this is, this is what a division one player coming in as a freshman looks like. Um, so when you have that, that tangible um, and, you know, visual uh, kind of aesthetic of what it looks like, you can kind of grasp that and you kind of look at it like, Hey, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to work on. This is how I need to, carry on um you know and you know i I would i would ask those dudes like uh you know ramante and i we kind of grew up together especially playing basketball and you know i would ask them and we'll have conversations about certain things and you know once we got to college we'll support each other and but it was it was it was a a process where you have to kind of see and understand what it looks like and then you can kind of develop those different skill sets or understand okay this is the position I need to put myself in in order to get to where I need to go. So, you know, that's from a competitive standpoint, as far as people that, you know, you played against. And then again, it's the same thing too, when you're on a team. Right. Um, So when I was in college, uh, there was another walk on, on the team already. So, um, you know, I was like, okay, so I I would like, you know, during that little process or trial run of a week, I would, you know, ask him questions or, you know, bug him with things. Like, hey, how did, how does this work? Or how did you get, you know, here? Or what did you do to kind of make yourself stand out? Things to that matter. Like, how did you get on this process, which I'm trying to get on? 
And he was receptive to that? Very receptive. And we're actually, oh, we're, we're, we're really good friends today, um, you know, because of it. So he was receptive to that. It's like, hey, this is kind of where we did. And this is kind of how I took it. And, you know, you just have to make so for, for a walk-on, you can't just come in and be a walk-on and think that you're going to play 30 minutes a game. It just doesn't work like that, <laughs> you know? So you got to take those bumps and bruises along the way. So you got to understand, like, hey, you're this is what you're here for. You're here to help this team be better. You're here to be coachable. You're here to, you know, make sure your grades are up. So, have, like, that's one thing that the coaching staff doesn't have to worry about with you. You know, you're just trying to be a, a, a morale booster for the program, right? And and I kind of took that. And, you know, my freshman and sophomore year in college, I was like, okay, you know, that's that's where I am with it. I understand that I'm completely – I'm good with that. You know, I, I'm the guy that's giving energy off the bench. I'm the guy that's giving handshakes, dapping guys up, uh, you know, encouraging like that's I'm good with that and then I guess there was a point in time my junior year where coach Purnell actually made me one of the team captains um as well as probably one of our best players were better players on the team so it was him and I that were team captains and you know it kind of clicked to me again like okay I think I can help this team a little bit more than just you know with my energy effort I, I want to help help them on the floor so I kind of took you know that that year after my sophomore season in college and you know I was in the gym with with our guys who were all Big East rookie guys and um our guys that were second team all Big East uh players so yeah, I'm in the gym with those dudes you know we're getting shots up so I'm 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 working on skill sets I'm working on different things trying to help the team like when my number is called you don't want to be you don't want to be not ready you know so mm-hmm for me, I did so as a as a teammate. I would you know stay in the gym with those guys who were having high success um, on the court and try to figure out different things of how I can impact um, that team on the floor. And then eventually, I got my opportunity. I got my shot. You know, so my senior year. So imagine this: I went from freshman year just walking on to my senior year as a walk on steal, technically. Um, I got to start. I started five games um, at the at the end of my senior season. So those things kind of it's a it's a it's a it's a process for sure. You know, you you kind of start off at one end of it, trying to understand, okay, how can I help in this role, and then you kind of extend it out to where, okay, now you think that you can help in a different capacity, and with helping at a different capacity takes another level of commitment, especially on the court and. Um, especially in, in the weight room and especially in film study and all that kind of stuff. Because again, at that level of basketball, you have to, it's no, it's no getting ready. You know, <laughs> if you're getting ready when you're on the, you're, you're already beat. So you have to be ready in that process. So when your number is called, you can go out and con- contribute right away. So that's kind of what my process was as far as, you know, the difference between high school where you're playing against these high level caliber guys to where you're on a team now with high level caliber guys and how you can continue to um, learn new things and address different skill, uh, skill set deficiencies and, you know, enhance your game. So that's kind of the road or kind of the way I took it as far as with, um, you know, learning and honing in from different individuals throughout my career. Did you ever feel like throughout your time in college that you hit your maximum potential like was there ever a day a week 
or a couple weeks where you're like, all right, this is as good as it's going to get? Um, I think it happened. So I think it happened in my junior season where I can, I knew I could help this team, you know, um, or like I reached a, a peak where, okay, I know I, I, I can play at this level. And it wasn't necessarily in a game, but it was a, a practice. We were out at uh, Arizona State, I believe. And I was running, I was on the scout team. So the scout team is, um, we kind of dummy as the opposing team's uh, players where we'll run their plays, we'll, we'll kind of be their personnel. And, you know, the starters in the second group will play against us. So as the scout team, a guy, I was kind of the, their main player um, on the scout team. So I got an opportunity to kind of showcase some skills and things to that matter. And it was kind of a practice where I just kind of went bananas. Like everything I shot went in. And it was <laughs> it was kind of crazy. And, you know, the coaches were like, is nobody going to stop this guy? Like like getting at the, our, our starters and our, you know, our guys were playing lots of minutes. And that kind of right there is when it clicked. Like I can actually – contribute at this level you know doing this in practice obviously that you know the game is a different story but having that confidence boost of of the of where I could be um and I think that's where it started for me like that peak of of obviously I feel like I could have got a lot better and you know maybe had an opportunity to play professionally um but that just kind of wasn't wasn't my dream uh during college I kind of developed a a mindset of wanting to coach uh, especially being around uh, the game so much but from a player standpoint I think that was the time where I actually kind of clicked uh, from a peak standpoint and, and it was you know from then on it was you know uh, a confidence level of hey I can do this I can do it with the best of them um, so it was it was it was uh, a process obviously to get to that point but once you get there and realize it it kind of sparks you to keep up at that level and that's again that's where I started to kind of develop a different kind of work ethic with those guys who were in the gym um you know continuously and those dudes who were recognized for for their efforts on the court so I think that was the time where it really really started to peak for me and you started putting in more time at that point correct yep at that time it's kind of when I was like hey I can actually help this team win on the court, you know, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to be on the scout team for the rest of my career. So what do I need to do? What do I need to change to kind of get to that point where I can make a, a, uh, an impact on the game and impact on this team being on the court, rather just being off the court and being, you know, that morale guy and which I had no problem with before, you know, I never had a problem with that. And I loved it. That's, that's kind of where I developed my love for, you know, coaching and, you know, elevating guys, things that matter. That's just in your personality. Right. Right. Exactly. So I wasn't that, that I never, I never, that came natural. Exactly. I never out, out or outlandish that thought of not being energetic and not being, uh, you know, a good team player, a good teammate. I just wanted to do that as well as contribute on the court. Um, so that's kind of where it took that step for me as far as, the, the skill development of it and the amount of hours and amount of time that you take to get to that point, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Uh, so I want to go back mm-hmm. about 10 minutes to talking about um, the guys at Centennial mm-hmm. that were there while you were there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because there were some, I mean, I don't, is Ravante playing in Europe right now? Yeah, so Ravante's in Europe, um, right now. Well, he's back, back in the States. I actually talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's back in the States now, um, because of the, the COVID-19 stuff, but sure. he was overseas. Yeah. Doing, doing really well, doing really well. And, uh, he actually played a uh, funny thing is he played with, one of my old teammates at DePaul on a NBA summer league team this past summer. Um, and it was kind of, kind of cool to see them both playing together, a, a high school buddy and a, a, a good friend that I met in college playing basketball, playing together on the uh, summer league team. So I was tuned in to those games and, you know, congratulating those guys on that. But yep, he's over, he was, he's overseas playing uh, right now. I thought I had heard that he got signed to a G League team. Yep, yep. He was for um for the summer league. He was on that team. I think it was the Knicks team for for a little bit and um had a pretty good summer league uh while he was there. So he yep, he was uh on that summer league G League team. Yep. Nice. So going back to him and thinking about that like at a when you were in high school, what is it what does it feel like to be the same age as somebody, mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit older, and seeing them at such a higher level than you? Um, you know, it could be intimidating at times. So, and I, I remember this specifically. It was, uh, it was my senior year. It was, it was my senior year, and the week before we played Centennial at Centennial. Um, I thought I had a pretty good game. We were down at Peoria uh, for the Tournament of Champions, and I, I had like 25 points, 30 points or something like that. And, you know, we win the game, and we get into the locker room, and somebody must have texted us like, yeah, Ravante had 42 and 12. I'm like, 42 what? <laughs> they were like 42 points and like 12 rebounds. I was like, no, 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 no way. They're like, yeah. So you think like, okay, that's pretty nuts, you know. He can't do it. Can't do that again. So uh, <laughs> we go to two Centennial. So the next week we're at Centennial again. They have a pretty good team their senior year. I think they actually get third or something. They go down to state again, I believe. Um, that year they had a pretty good team. He comes, uh, starts the game off. I'm starting on him because um, that's kind of usually what we do as as far as you know guarding each other. So, and this is when I knew it was going to be a long night. You know, he, his first, <laughs> his first shot, he he goes left, takes two dribbles, shoots it literally off the glass, off the backboard and goes like literally hard off the backboard and goes in. I was like, if he's making this, it's going to be a long night. So I, I, again, I thought I had a pretty good game, ended up with like 27 points. This guy has 45, you know? And I'm just like, this is, this is what it, like, this is kind of what it is though. You know, like, okay, his yeah. set. And, and and again, Ravante's a different guy. He's a he, he has God given talent, like big hands, fast, athletic, strong, like all of that, you know. And again, fast, and he's like a brick wall. Yeah, he's, a, he's a wall, you know. So it, yeah. it's it's a different type of of. And he was a Division One like frame. He had a Division One body as a as a yeah. You know what I'm saying? So me, I'm still well. And he didn't. That. I mean, he's dropping forty five and he didn't even start off going to a division one school. He had to transfer into yeah, one. Yeah. Like that's the kind of talent that no it takes to be at that kind of level. No question. No question. So that was kind of where it was at with me. Like, 
uh, you know, with, with him because we, we, we were on the same eighth grade team together. We, we went and actually got fourth in state at, we were at Edison together. So like, that was kind of my guy throughout, um, you know, trying to the measuring stick of like, that's where you, that's where you need to be. That's kind of where as a player you should be, if you want to get to that level or higher, you know what I'm saying? So, um, it, it was, it was definitely a, an eye opener, uh, during that time. And, you know, I, and I kind of obviously, you know, I, I didn't get a scholarship, but I kind of want to pave my own way of doing it. And, uh-huh. you know, uh, fortunately, I got to, which was a blessing. So I, I can't, I, I don't, I wouldn't change my route for anything. Um, sure. It's a kind of, it kind of instilled in me a, a, a persistence, you know, uh, of things that, you know, hey, things aren't given to you. You got to go get it, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at with, um, what I do now is in, in coaching and what I, what I did before as a player, but it definitely started then, um, with, with, you know, playing against Ravante and those guys that were on that, on that, my junior, that junior year team, but also when Ravante was a senior, he was, you know, kind of amped up his game too. So it was, it was actually the, at that time is where I, I noticed it. So I don't know if you can remember it at all, but, what kind of conversation does 18-year-old Ed have with himself when it comes to literally doing everything that you can, playing the best that you possibly can on that night, and the person that you are responsible for still drops 45 points on you? Yeah. Um, like that That would be pretty debilitating for a, a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's part of the game. You know, you got to think about it that way. Um, and obviously for me, it was more of, I don't care if he, I wanted, I, I, we didn't win that game. We were close to winning that game, but we didn't win. And for me, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether you have 45 or, or four points. Our, my, my goal was just trying to win the game. So I was more upset. I, after the game, I didn't even care about the fact that he had that many points. It was more so that we didn't win the game. You know, like mm-hmm. if you have 45 points and you lose, it's not as impressive as you have 45 wins and win. So if he had, if he would have had 45 points and we got an opportunity or made a way to win that game, I, I, I win, you know? So it yeah. matter. So I was more upset um, at the fact that we lost the game than the fact that he has for like, you know, he, he you, you think about it, like he, this is kind of what he does. You know, you have to think about it that way. Like this is kind of what he does at this, you know, at this high school level. So it is what it is. Like, I'm not the only person that he had this many points on before, you know, this is kind of, sure. It's, it's just what it is, but it was more the fact like, what can I have done differently to win the game as far as, you know, trying to hold him to, cause he's going to do what he does. You know what I'm saying? What, it, what are other ways that you have to uh, impact the game in order for you to win the game is where I was at. So it's, it's interesting. I, I want to try and correlate that to rocket league a little bit, because it's it's very i mean it's the same and it's not as structured as something like high school college basketball because you know when you do those you sign up for it you go to practice every day and then once or twice a week you have a game so the primor the the majority i almost tried to say primary and majority at the same time the majority of your time is spent in practice, but when you're doing something like a hobby, like Rocket League, I mean, you can just load it up, hop into a game, and nobody's going to be like, no, 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 today's a practice day, today's not a game day, right. 
so you're not necessarily practicing. You're not necessarily working on things. You're just hopping in and playing. But people, uh, especially the people that listen to this podcast, you know, do want to improve, do want to get better at the game. So the way that I've been looking at Rocket League a lot recently is like, so there's something called MMR, which is a matchmaking um, number that gives you like basically what your skill level is. Okay. Uh, and it goes from zero all the way up to, you know, the professional Rocket League players, uh, you know, are 2,000, 2,100, 2,200. Yeah. Um, and that then when you queue for a game, it puts you into a game with people around your same rank. Um, and the way that I've been looking at it recently is that games don't really matter that much. Like when you're actually playing a game, uh, that is more of a representation of where you're at now. Like the actual progress uh, and improvement and things of that nature come from time spent in the gym, time spent in practice, time doing drills and things of that nature. So I guess I'm curious all that to say is how did you, what kind of mindset would you take into a, an actual game as opposed to practice or that extra time that you spent in the gym? Like, and obviously it's different when you're doing it at a competitive level uh, or, you know, you're a professional in something or you're, you have a scholarship or you're playing on a competitive high school team. The games obviously matter, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily a representation of, or it's, it's not a way of improvement. Um, so how, how would you say that you looked at practice and putting in time in the gym as opposed to playing actual games against other teams? So I, I, early on in my college career, you know, since I wasn't playing a lot, practices were my games. So that was where I could, you know, kind of showcase or work on my skill set from uh, a, a basketball player standpoint because I, I wasn't seeing a lot of minutes in the games themselves. So practices were, practices were the time where I could do that, where I can work on the skills that I've been um, – you know, trying to work on throughout the year and work on different moves and work on, um, you know, different ways of guarding guys and things that matter. So with me, practices started off as my games. Um, and, you know, obviously it, it's a little different for other guys who are playing a lot of minutes um, in the game where they, you know, how they approach practice. Maybe they're approaching practice like, oh, shoot, man, we got to practice again today or Oh uh, man, what, what, we, what are we doing today in practice? Well, for me, it was more like this is my like I'm ready. Let's do it. Like this is my game. You know, we're we're, we're playing. You know, Seton Hall in two nights. I won't be able to. I'm not going to see the floor. So this is my Seton Hall game. You know, so I that's the approach that I took early on, as far as um, from a practice standpoint. Um, and then obviously, you know, once you start seeing a little bit more playing time in in the games you still I still had that mindset like practices are my games because this is this wasn't given to me at the beginning you know like this is I didn't come in playing um, a lot of minutes so I'm still going to practice as hard as I can and prepare as hard as I can because once you get on the floor everything is they always say they always say this it's 
practices are 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 you want to practice game like, but you can never practice game like, because the game there's so mm-hmm. many other elements that are in the game that you can't simulate in practice. You know, so the speed is different. You know, because guys are not guys aren't going hard for you know you pra- games are forty minutes are forty minutes long. Practices can go from two and a half to three hours long. So that time is different. Um, you're actually it, it's a you have referees out there, so you have to kind of adjust to how they're calling the game. Um, you have to worry about the crowd. You have to worry about um, their scheme against you. It's so it's totally different. You know, it's it's you, you try to prepare as much as you can in practice for the game, but you can never fully simulate what the game would be like in practice. So. Um, for me, practices, you know, early on were, were, were my games. And then once you kind of get towards the, the amount of time that you're playing uh, actual game minutes, you kind of um, – under now you're really focusing on techniques and you're focusing on personnel and you're focusing on um, execution of, of different plays and things to that matter. Uh, I, I remember specifically um, – you know, playing a game against um, Xavier, uh, I think it was my senior year, and I'm guarding one of their better players, Samaj Christian, and, you know, in my head, like, I'm guarding him, and he's, you know, one of the better players in the Big East, and I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm literally in my head on the court, like, zoning everything out and thinking about his tendencies. Okay, what was on the scouting report? How, which, What movies you want to do here? So I'm literally, like, at the top of the key, at the you know top of the key and I'm guarding him and in my head I was like it clicked I'm like his favorite move is a left to right crossover so he's going to cap the ball in his left hand cross it over to his right hand and then drive hard right so and I'm I'm literally thinking about this in the game and he makes the move I slide I slide right in front of him as soon as he makes the move he runs into me takes the charge gets a foul on him and I'm ecstatic because it was the process and practices and, you know, in game film that kind of got me ready for that. And that's kind of where you get to when you're actually playing those game minutes. You start to hone in on those little tendencies and, and um, start to understand schemes and understand what guys want to do from a personnel standpoint and what teams want to do from a player st- or from a team standpoint as well. So it, it's different, um, especially for me where, you know, I had different types of um experiences with practices and games because of the shift of not playing to, you know, starting five games in my senior year. So that's kind of where I was um, with the development of practice in, in, in games. That's really interesting. So especially what you're saying about thinking about what this guy tends to do, mm-hmm. would you say that that was more conscious or you just because of the preparation you were just ready for that to happen was it more subconscious or conscious i guess is the question that i'm trying to ask in that point in time for me it was more of a conscious thing because i i i remember you know our coaches preparing us for for him because he was a huge part of their offense so it was a more of a conscious thing for me um, obviously, you know, 
the physical part of it, you know, you want to guard a guy, keep him in front. You know, that's more of a subconscious thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. move and but for me, in order in order to beat him to that spot, I had to be conscious about it because I had to know what he was going to do. So I had to anticipate it, which came back to the preparation that we had, you know, a couple of days before the game. Um, so that's kind of where it was with that, you know, and and that's not saying obviously all situations can't be that way. It's more of a feel thing. It's more of a, you know, we, we call it feel, you know, it's a, it's a basketball feel where you feel like, a, you know, uh, have the tendencies to understand what a guy's going to do or how, how you're going to play this uh, ball screen or how you're going to guard this guy who's left-handed. And, you know, it's more of a feel thing. Um, but sometimes when you, you know, you're, you're out there, it's, it's conscious decisions because of the preparation that you put in, you know, maybe few days uh to a, a couple of days before the game even comes mm-hmm. that's that's really interesting um how in terms of when you were playing if you could put it on like a if you could do a split in between subconscious and conscious of how you executed in your actual games, where would you, where would you put the split of like subconscious and conscious? I would say subconscious is probably around 65 to 70%. Um, And then, you know, conscious probably about, you know, 35, 30 to 35% um, conscious because of the fact like you, you don't want to, what what I've been taught is, or what I've learned is that you can't overload guys or like from a culture standpoint now, but, you know, and our coaches understood that too. You can't overload our, you know, or certain guys or, or a team in general with information, right? Mm-hmm. So clouded, it, the saying is, it, there's a saying they say it's clouded minds result in slow feet, Right. So if you're you have so much stuff that's going in, you so much information that you're getting put in um, into your mind about a certain player or a certain play that you're overthinking it. Now your feet are slow instead of making those subconscious yeah. reads where, okay, I have a feel for this. This is kind of what they did the last time. Boom! I'm just going to react. You know, so it's more of a. Um, I would say that's kind of where the split is because again. You have to understand that there's so much that comes into being a student athlete, you know, um, you know, on the court and off the court. So you can't flood guys with a, a whole lot of information, um, you know, especially from a, a player personnel standpoint or a, a team scout standpoint, because they'll they'll overthink it. Like, well, I thought he was going to do this. Well, I thought he was going to do this. Or the, I, you said you guys said they were going to do this instead of having that subconscious feel where, you know what, I, I, I've been guarding this guy for the last two possessions. This is kind of what he did. But, you know, make those adjustments on the fly rather than try to literally walk through everything. And I guess the difference for, you know, that specific instance that I talked about was that, you know, he it, it was the time, like the shot clock was going down, so I knew he was going to take the shot. So that gave yeah. that gave me a, a certain amount of time to understand. Okay, now I can now I can consciously start thinking about scouting report because I know he's going to like. There's another option for him to do but to shoot this basketball, right? So now I have mm-hmm. thought process in my head like, hey, he's going to make this move 
at this point in time because he's going to take the shot, you know. So it, it's it's kind of a pick and choose thing, and that's kind of where basketball IQ comes in. Um, sure. From from you know my that perspective, so it, it it kind of varies. But for me, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it was more of a sixty five seventy subconscious, uh, you know, reactional uh, type of feel whether you know, it's basketball or, you know, from the offensive or defense standpoint, mm-hmm. other than a, a 30 to 35% conscious standpoint for that. Well, and that even goes back to the very first episode of this podcast. I had a pro player on, um, and he told, he said a couple of times about when he was at, uh, what we call our, our land or the world championship tournament, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the live tournament at the very end of the season. Uh, when he would make a mistake, he would immediately, first of all, like feel bad and start beating himself up a little bit about it. And then also kind of put him, give it, put himself on the scoreboard in terms of like, okay, that's one mistake. Now I have to do something good to make up for that. And it became much more of like keeping this mental score of like where he was at. And I feel like when you start keeping a score like that, or when you start beating yourself up, it it takes you, it takes that subconscious from sixty five or seventy percent, mm-hmm. which I think you know is more and more to the optimal side, down to fifty, forty five, forty percent. Mm-hmm. And the more you're thinking, the less you're allowing yourself to just execute how you know best to execute. No question, no question, and. Speaking on that, we this is kind of the mentality. We call it the next play mentality, you know, because basketball is such a fluid sport. You're going to make mistakes. Like there's not, there has it in the history of basketball, nobody has played a perfect game, <laughs> you know. So it's going to be a game. It's a game of mistakes. Now, the how you overcome the the way that you win the game though is how do you respond to those mistakes, right? So mm-hmm. if you make a you know if you make a bad move and you turn the basketball over, are you going to stay on the other end and pout about it, or look at the ref and say you got fouled, or are you going to sprint back and try to get the ball back? You know, so that's what we you know as as players you don't want to compile your mistakes. So you made one mistake, you turned the basketball over, but now you don't sprint back. They score on the other end. Now that's a a compiled mistake if that makes sense. So now it's one, one mistake on another. So, and, and, and that goes, that's why you have to have like a, you know, a subconscious of, uh, you know, a high subconscious feel for basketball, because if you're always thinking like, dang, why did I turn the ball over? Like, you're not going to be able to play or why did he call that foul? You're not going to be able to play. Right. It's such a fluid game. Mm-hmm. That you have to be able to react with something when something happens or respond in the right way of of that's going to help your team win so that's i mean it happens all the time and and, you know and that's why you know as i keep growing as a coach a lot of kids like a lot of student athletes don't understand that you know you know why is he why am i getting taken out the game well it's not because you turned the ball over it's because that you turned the ball over but then refused to sprint back on defense and put your teammates in a position that, you know, that's, that's compromising them. So that's, you know, you know, developing Mm. those ideas and understandings of this is why these things happen is because you're overthinking it. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a, 
it shouldn't be a thought process. You you know, the ball is going that way. You should be going where the ball is, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely understand that, especially from, you know, the perspective that you're talking about. I mean, it happens the same way. It happens the same way in the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an opportunity to play with people that are just five, six, seven levels above? Like, I guess I think about it in terms of like, if you were able to step on the court with nine other players that are all in the NBA Mm -hmm. or NBA bound, like, do you have an experience of just knowing when you're stepping on the court that you're completely out of your league? So this is, I actually didn't get to play in it. I was a graduate assistant at the time. But we we usually have open gyms um, where where we were uh, at the Paul. We had open gyms where a lot of pro guys would come in and play, um, and it was experience. I didn't play though, but a lot of our guys that were there were playing. Um, and this is this was I think it was back in 2015 maybe, um, but. We had a gym where uh, Wilson Chandler, who was a DePaul alum, came back. Uh, Jabari Parker was in the gym. Uh, Pat- oh, shoot. Patrick Beverly was in the gym. Um, uh, Miles Plum- Plumley, who uh, went to Duke, he was in the gym. So it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was a great, it was a crazy open gym. Will Bynum, who was a, who's a uh, former NBA pro. Um, so those guys were in the gym. And it be the the competitiveness and the the basketball that was being played at like just in an open gym was probably more was probably better than any of our practices that we had, you know, because it was just such a it was a bunch of guys who are at the highest level of of basketball right now, you know, so guys who have the highest levels of IQs, highest level of physical attributes, um, highest level of skill all of these guys are in the gym at one time, right? So it's a different feel and it's a different, it's even different to watch, you know, um, the way they play, the way they move the ball, the way they make one, you know, uh, a move and how it's, it's, it's more effortless for them because of the fact of the training and things to that matter. And the craziest part was uh, we, they literally played for about two to three hours straight. So they're, they're in the gym and they're playing for two to three hours straight. And it's about, 10 30 11 p.m at night and i'm supposed to be helping to close up the gym so the game the games are over the five on five games are over so i was like, okay cool i can kind of you know get get stuff locked up and so will bynum and his trainer um <laughs> literally asked pat no it was pat beverly i'm sorry pat beverly and his trainer gets will bynum and his trainer he's like hey like which, where you guys going like we're not done we're like, yeah, everybody like, putting their shoes on and, you know, leave it. And Pat Bev was like, no, 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 no. He's like, he told Wills, like, hey, grab somebody. We're about to play two-on-two full court for, like, the next hour. So these two. Two-on-two full court. <laughs> these dudes play two-on-two full court for another hour. And I was like, what is going on? But then, it, like, it clicked. I'm like, so this is what a pro, like, this is what pros, like, when you're a professional or something and this is all you do. This is what professionals, this is what a pro looks like. You know, you play, you play for this amount of time. And, and then at that time, Patrick Beverly was, I think he was, he was in like a contract year. So he's trying to uh, get an extension on the contract. So he was just, he was on another level of amped. 
He was back in his yeah. in the city, back in Chicago. He's just another level of amped. And he was just like, it's a contract year for me. Like, there's no time for me to rest. There's no time for me to do, you know, just to go home. What I'm gonna do when I go home? Nothing. So like, so we're gonna play two. <laughs> literally, they play two on two full court for the next hour. So I'm just like, this is another level. And not to get the experience playing it, but watching it. Like I, I tell the story all the time. I was like, and, and I tell it to you know guys that I'm coaching. Like you guys think you guys want to play professional basketball? It's a different level. Like I've been around guys who eat, sleep, breathe this thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is what they do. And you, and you know, and you know, obviously it's different when you're in college. But like if you want to get to that level, it's a whole level. It's a whole nother level of dedication. It's a whole nother level of work. Um, so, you know, watching that, and that's a, that's an example that I use really, really like so often because it just opens your eyes. Like, you know, and it was other pros in there who were leaving, like, you know, other guys who wanted to leave. Sure. And, you know, so that's another level, like, okay, okay. Now I got a professional who's leaving and I got a professional who wants to stay and get better. So it's even levels of professional that you got to weave through. And that's just, you know, and that's where you get your, obviously get your LeBrons and your KDs and your, you know. Steph, like those dudes are on another level than than these other guys, but it's it's not because mm-hmm. it's not because those dudes aren't talented. It's just because of the amount of dedication and the amount of work and the amount of you know. I, I, obviously, you know, you got LeBron who's a freak of nature and KD who's a freak of nature. Those guys, those are intangibles that you can't control, but their work ethic is out the roof. You know, yeah. it's just what it is. Yeah, being able to experience that and see that. Um, kind of, you know, it kind of fires me up. It was like, man, this is what a professional does. And it yeah, certainly puts things into perspective. No question, no question about it. And it was just, it was refreshing to see, to be honest, especially at a young age of, of my coaching career. Sure. Yeah. I think in the main reason that I asked that question, uh, going back to that subconscious conscious conversation is like when you get put into a situation like that with people that are just on a different level, mm-hmm. uh, you almost move into that conscious area more. Like it starts turning in to a 50 50 or even more on the conscious because your subconscious can't handle what is going on. Right. Like when I've played rocket league with people that are a lot better than me, when I'm done doing that, I'm so tired because it takes mm-hmm. like I'm I'm physically tired even though I'm just sitting here with a controller in my hand because I'm working so hard to try and compute what is going on. No question. And that's and and that's kind of why you know you have we call them this is our term for them like you have old we call them old heads like guys who've been around a while know how to play the game don't exasperate a lot of energy like at all because they they can't at this point in time you know so they're yeah they're they're going to beat you with simple moves and they're going to beat you with their minds their mental you know so like you if you watch a a, a seasoned pro and obviously obviously you have those instances where you got a guy who's a you know a zion williamson's a freak you know but then you have those dudes who've been in the league for a while and you know kind of un- know know what it takes you know, kind of know how to keep their bodies together, know, know what to do, um, know how to handle referees, things of that matter. So now Vince Carter playing at 41. Exactly. 
Like that dude's been playing forever. He's been play, playing yeah. four different decades, you know? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's different, but it wasn't the fact that, you know, it wasn't guys that came in before, after him that weren't better than him. Like these guys are younger, fresher can do, but his mindset, he understands now I'm not jumping over anybody and dunking the ball anymore at 41. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand in this corner and I'm going to be shot ready. So if a guy gets in the lane, he passes to me, I'm going to knock down this open three. You know, he won't mm-hmm. exasperate on that energy anymore. He's, but he's learning how to take what, what's going on and make the most of it. Whereas, you know, you put him playing one on playing somebody else who's younger and, you know, was just really spry. Like, okay, I'm going I'm to try to do this to him. I'm going to try to do this to him. Like you're exasperating a lot of energy. And he's literally just, it's a feel thing now. Like I've done this for so long. I know exactly what I want to do. Like, if you do this, I know, I know a counter right, right from that. Like, and that's kind of where it is, you know, from a basketball standpoint as well. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a level of knowing and a level of experience that kind of trumps, you know, the, the, the inexperience. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll, like you said, you're playing somebody that's a higher level, that person's probably the reason why they're such a high level because they've done this so much and it's just like it's it's it comes easier to them whether yeah you're trying to figure out how can i how can i beat this dude what is he you do now you gotta think what is he thinking and then how can i beat him well he's just i'm just winning the game you know <laughs> right so that's the mindset of, about it so that's when it comes down to that 50 percent conscious subconscious because now you're trying to figure out what he's thinking and then trying to translate what he's thinking into how you're going to win the game. Whereas he's just like, I'm just going to win the game. I'm just going to play my game. And that, that's so interesting because, uh, another thing that I've been thinking, especially about rocket league. Uh, so there's different ways you can play it just like basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you can play three V three, you can play two V two, you can play one V one. Those are like the main modes. And in all of those, uh, more and more, because there is one thing that I want to talk about that you brought up a second ago, and that's teammates. Uh, But there's this, there's kind of an underlying theme across the, the anonymous internet of uh, Rocket League that people just complain about teammates because they make mistakes and then you lose games because of your teammates, not because of you mm-hmm. or like the mistakes that you make. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have for quite some time done the best that I can to just be like, whenever we get scored on or something bad happens in a game, I think to myself, okay, what, what did I do that led to this happening? And I've tried to take that to another step further and even though there are five other people in this game Mm -hmm. i just try to do the best that i can to play my game like i'm not worried about what the other team is doing i'm you know i'm paying attention to my teammates to make sure that i'm not double committing or getting in their way or like ruining something that they're trying to do but i'm just solely focused on playing the best game that i can play because the more i worry about other people or get mixed up in what my teammates are doing or things of that nature. Like it takes me out of my element, which means I'm going to be performing not to the best of my ability, how I feel comfortable leaning into that subconscious, uh, you know, just style and comfortability that I've prepared myself for. I I totally agree. Totally agree. And, 
you know, I'm throwing all these sayings out there that I've learned over the past few years from coaching. And one is good teams have good players, but great teams have great teammates. So you can have a team where you have a lot of guys who are really skilled at what they do. You know, like they can um, they can pass, dribble and shoot like they're with the with the best of them. But then mm-hmm. those dudes, you know, when when things get hard, might not be the guys who pick up other guys or, hey, man, let's just get the next one. Let's do this. Let's work on that. You know what I'm saying? So you can have those amount. You can have all that talent, but you also need to couple it with guys who want to be good teammates, you know, want to mm-hmm. want to take it, want to want to hold each other accountable. Right. Um uh, want to help guys get through adverse situations like that's those are the keys that you need in 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 having a great team it's not necessarily having a whole bunch of a talent because there's a lot of yeah, even if you get to the nba everybody in the NBA, like that this is what kills me every everybody always says like um guys are in the nba like they're like oh he's a bum he can't play like listen there's no bums in the nba they don't, like, <laughs> that's what I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just having conversations with, you know, different kids and stuff like, or different students like, hey, they're like, no, no, he's a bum. I said, listen, there are no bums in the NBA. Like, you can't be a bum and play in the NBA. Now, we get overhyped with the amount of, you know, pick or show times that LeBron and Kate, oh, these dudes get because they're, they're abnormal. Like, this is not, but there are no bums in the league. Like guys in the NBA are there for a reason, whether they're starters or they're on the bench, you know? So those guys who are on the bench, you know, they're not playing a lot. What is their job? Their jobs are to be great teammates, you know? So, and, you know, I, and I kind of draw back to, you know, an example is the, you know, the go to state warriors who went on a crazy run, winning what three championships in four years. And, and what, 78 games? Yeah, yeah. One stupid amount of games, like, seven, yeah, 79 games or whatever it is. Won a lot of games, you know, won three championships. And four, obviously they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, the guys who are, you know, above and beyond. But if you think about it, the amount of support roles, like Sean Livingston, right, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. can start on any NBA team in the league right now because he's a six seven point guard decided to take a back role as a six man come in and help them win championships. Cause what, what matters winning? <laughs> yeah. Anything that matters yeah. right now, you know, nothing else matters mm-hmm. than winning. And those are the teammates that you need on that. And, and I'm telling you from a GM or general management standpoint, they did a great job with that because they put guys on the team who, who are about winning. Everybody hates Draymond. He's not the most skilled guy ever. Everybody hates him because the way he competes, Right, because he's you know he he can be demonstrative of what he does, but at the end of the day, Draymond's a great teammate, and it might not come out that way because he's not saying stuff that's you might not like hearing, but t- that's what a teammate does. Like if you're messing up in the area, he's you need to tell him. Like that's holding him accountable, and if if he's messing up, he has to be able to say the same thing, which he does. So it's that those are the those are the separators with with what we account as good teams and great teams, like. There have been plenty of times where there's teams in the NBA that you thought, you know, have all this talent, all this skill, like they should have won so and so amount of games, but they don't or win the win the championship, but they don't. And it's the reason being is because 
I guarantee you that the teams that are winning have better teammates. They're better teammates. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know that's a it's a it's a it's a definitely a concept um, that we harp on in, in the game of basketball, which is the same thing um, that you guys are dealing with. You know, because it's it, it is what it is. And obviously, as a as a player, you want to do the best that you can um, to help the team win. And you know, and in other ways too, that you you need to kind of help others win too. So. It's the same thing, man. It's definitely, definitely the same. Yeah. And I think one thing that I keep on going back to, uh, and that I have circled here and especially reiterating what you just said, you know, great teams have great teammates Mm -hmm. in a, in a world where, well, and I mean, you've experienced this a little bit, you know, playing pickup games with, uh, you know, when I was in college, I played a ton of pickup games in the gym and we would see a lot of the same people and there would always be those people uh, that, well, I mean, it didn't really happen a lot to me because we always got to like pick the people that were on our team. Right. So we wouldn't necessarily have to deal with random people. But every now and then there's that one new guy that picks you up or you pick up just out of the kindness of your heart and then is just not exactly <laughs> what you would like to see from a teammate. Right. But again, like even when it's a pickup game or if it is for DePaul, like you might have a teammate on your college scholarship team that you don't necessarily like and is it frustrating as a person, but when they make a mistake on the court, you're not walking down the court thinking about how big of an idiot they are. Like you're still hustling. You're still doing the best that you can to perform well for the team and to make up for that mistake. And what we see a lot in rocket league. And I don't want to go to that extreme because I don't want to set this expectation that like I get frustrated by it or it's aggravating because I do my best to continue playing through this. But in rocket league, because it's, you know, it's five minute games. It's just random people sitting behind a computer screen. Like they have no accountability to the other people that they're playing with more often than not. But even when you go down one goal, people will just stop playing. Or if you make a mistake, instead of like trying to pick up the pieces, they'll just turn into a keyboard warrior and start flaming you. Um, It can get really frustrating. But in terms of like, what kind of encouragement or advice or thoughts can you share with people coming from like a basketball perspective, coming from a great teammate perspective, coming from a coach perspective to just like let those mistakes go to forget about like to forget and forgive these random internet souls that make mistakes and just keep on playing the game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, the thing is, right. You're going to have another opportunity. Right. So with 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 games, um, unless it's the last game of the year, you know, obviously you want to win that the championship game or whatever. But you're going to have other opportunities. So you're going to make mistakes like that goes goes back to what I said before. Like you don't want to compile the mistakes. So you obviously you make a mistake and you you and then you, you know, somebody messes up and now uh, you somebody messes up, turns the ball over, doesn't sprint back. Now you're giving up a transition layup. That's a, that's a compiling mistake. And, you know, and everybody's going to make them, whether you're you're at, you know, the top of the 
like if you're at the top level of the basketball world, you're gonna make mistakes. Like third third graders make mistakes, and LeBron makes mistakes. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James walks out of instead of inbounding the ball, he just decides to walk yeah. forward from out of bounds, exactly. turning the ball over. Exactly. So he's gonna like LeBron James is gonna make a mistake. He has made mistakes. So if if you think about it to that matter. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And he's he's at the highest level. Like, he might be one of the best, greatest of all time. You know, that's the argument. And he makes mistakes. So you got to think, like, okay, first of all, we're human. We're going to make these mistakes. And you don't want to be the catalyst for another mistake. So when you make a mistake and somebody else is like, bro, why did you do that? Why are you keep making it? Why, what if, instead of encouraging you, you're like, oh shoot, now you're walking on eggshells. Like, shoot, now you're not, now you're losing an edge to yourself, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. you're not as confident in what you're doing because every time you make a mistake, somebody's jumping on your head about it. So, you know, taking that into account, like we're all humans, we're all going to make mistakes um, on, on, in whatever we do. So don't, don't take it as a, or don't internalize it as personal, you know, just take it for what it's worth. It's a mistake. There's, and, and again, you said you play on five, you guys play five minute games, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And t- anything happened in those five minutes, you know, like it's a game. Like that's what we like in the same thing. Like when we're, you could be down 20 points at the end of halftime and, you know, guys are yelling and screaming, like, listen, calm down, just relax. There is 20 more minutes left of this game. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's those those are the things that you got to hit on. Like, even or, or you know maybe you're having like a, a queue of games going on. So now you're playing one game. That game is oh, but there's there's going to be another game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not gonna you're not gonna just gonna stop Rocket League, right? There's gonna be another game. I mean, some people have, but uh, really? yes, theoretically, if you don't throw your controller against the wall and uninstall the game, there will be another game. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. If you don't take those extreme measures, there'll be another game. So taking that into account and understanding like, hey, you know, this is not the end all. It's not the end all. There will be another way. There will be another opportunity for me to be better, another opportunity for us to be better as a team. Um and so on and so forth. And again, it gets a little difficult, especially when you're in that pickup game mode where you really don't know these people. And, um, you know, obviously you have those stories where it's kind of tough because you just don't know. And mm-hmm. you know, those, and eventually, you know, you, you see that guy again and again, you're not going to play, you're not going to pick him up. He's not going to play with you, you know? But mm-hmm. from a standpoint of being a, a, a understanding mistakes and being a good teammate, you just got to be accountable for your actions. Like, okay, I get it. I messed up. But you also can't, you know, attack another person because of theirs. You can address them in a way where it's constructive, you know, like, hey, this is what this is what you could have done to prevent this from happening. And I would want somebody to do the same thing for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way that you're saying it or a way that you're getting across to somebody instead of just, flame you know flame throwing everybody flame throwing everybody instead of actually trying to play the game and win the game like find find another way to come combat that mistake and win the game so that's where i mean that's part of coaching and part of playing things to that matter i think what you say about compounding mistakes mm-hmm. or piling on mistakes is a really good way of looking at it like if a mistake happens 
adding on another mistake on top by putting down the controller and you know start firing insults on a keyboard like that just <laughs> takes you right. takes you a step deeper into the hole it doesn't get anybody out and what's worse is that when you do that more often than not if you're angry you're just going to carry it you're going to queue another game and then you're going to carry that over right and you're already off to a bad start right correct like if you if you as a player went into game on a friday still thinking about all the mistakes your teammate made in the game on tuesday like how how effective are you going to be with that teammate or if you start a game off on friday hey remember when you turned the ball over because you did x y and z on tuesday don't let that happen again yeah no it's that's that's not going to help anybody no, it's not and that's the thing like again it's that next play next game mentality like Mm-hmm. can't control what happened on that Tuesday. There's nothing right. you can do today to, to control what happened on that Tuesday. Only thing you can control is now, what you can do now, right? Mm-hmm. Why it's not it's not even a it's not even a point to bring that up because you can't change that. All right. Right. And I'm sure and this where, you know, practices and things come in, I'm sure that person that did that turned the ball over or missed that winning three or whatever at the end of the game on Tuesday has done their share of thinking about it. Trust me. <laughs> you know, right. like they all, they're beating themselves up about it way more than anybody else could. And right. In that three days between Tuesday and Friday or four days or whatever it is, I guarantee you they're thinking or they're finding ways, hey, what do I need to do to get better? Well, I don't have to make mm-hmm. a mistake again. Right. They're, that's what that's what competitors do. And that's what or people do that want to to want to be better, you know. They're not, they're gonna they're gonna think about what they did, and they're gonna find ways and different aspects of of getting better in order for that not to happen on that Friday. So mm-hmm. you know, bringing that up, obviously, you know, obviously there are instances where you bring it up, like from our our coaching perspective, where hey, you know, you know, we watched film on the last game, and we'll kind of hit on different things. It's not really to point you out like, hey, you suck. It's just say, hey, right. this is what we need to make an adjustment on. This is we yeah. could have done this. You know what I'm saying? It's not to you know beat you up, but it's just trying to so you can see, you know, what we're talking about, and then now you can carry that over into practice, and then now you can carry over to the next game. So, no, I totally understand that, and you know, and again, you got to think like we're human. Like people that make mistakes, and they're going to beat themselves up about it anyway. So how can you be more effective in trying to encourage them and understand where to go next instead of harping on what already happened? Yeah, it doesn't help to pile on. Correct. And I think that's that's kind of where that's another thing that I was thinking going back to making mistakes and losing and what really gets people worked up is that, you know, there's this ranking system built into Rocket League, like there's casual games and then there's um, competitive or ranked where you go, you start in bronze and you go into silver, gold, uh, platinum, diamond, champion, like you go all the way up. Right. And so I guess you could almost correlate it to like high school, college, um, European, NBA, like you could go all the way up the scale, right? Yep. So there are people 
that would be in diamond, which, you know, if you're a diamond player, you're still pretty good at the game, Yep. but like you are, you're not in the NBA, right? <laughs> but there are so people stuck on holding on to their rank in diamond that they will get angry. They will quit games. They will get frustrated. They'll start playing against their team because of mistakes that have happened when like you're nowhere close to being perfect. Again, like you said, you know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, some of the best players in all of basketball have made mistakes. Plenty. If you are, if you're a high school basketball player, like throwing a fit about something that your teammate did, like you are not the best of the best. (laughs) So why get all worked up and make it worse for everybody? Like it's about, and like, again, like you said, making a mistake in a game that happened, there's nothing you can do about it. Let's take what we can from it, learn from it. It's all part of the process. Like it's a continual process of trying to get better. Correct. No, no question. No question about it. And when you, when you think about it in that aspect, like you want to continue to understand like, Hey, how can you get better? And how can you help the team? That's what it is. And it, it, obviously there are, there, there's, there's selfishness, you know, and it's, it is, that's the hardest part that you battle, especially being a coach is dealing with egos and being, you know, and mm-hmm. selfishness because it's not an individual sport, right? If you wanted to play an individual sport, you should have played golf or tennis. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. There's, there's one basketball and there's five guys, <laughs> but the, the objective is to win the game at the end of the day. So whether that, okay, this guy might take 10, 10 to 15 shots this game and you get three, but if he's helping us win the game at that time, you need to be okay with that, right? Because that's what it, that's what it is. Or uh, whereas, hey, this guy's playing at this position this game for, you know, the rest of, for the game and, and you're playing a different position, don't take it as we're, you know, we don't want you to play that position. Just know this is what help, that's going to help us win the game. So, those things you got to, you know, come back, especially with egos and selfishness that, that, you know, which you're probably seeing in Rocket League as well. Like, you know, guys just want to keep their rank. That's part of their ego. You know, like, I want to be at this. Oh, top. gosh. Yes. I want to be at this top of the top. And I don't want you to bring down my ranking, you know, mm-hmm. but the order way for you to play is you got to play with other people. So. Right. It's, 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 it, that's that, you know, um, give and take that you have to have. Um, being on a team and that at the end of the day, if you don't want to, you know, be on a team, then don't play the game. That's just right. what it is. So, well, and it, it's such a funny line because like there is something called one V ones in rocket league where you yeah. can play just you versus another person, but it's one of the least plays played playlists because again, it's, it's all up to you. Like if you make a mistake, they're going to score and it's your fault. Yep. So like you want to play your own game and have somebody be able to back you up in 3v3. But then if they make a mistake, you get angry at them. But then you don't want to go play something like ones where it's all up to you. And I'm making a very general consensus of like the Rocket League community but it's it's that dichotomy of like you want everybody to do everything right but then some people are just too scared to leave themselves 
fully responsible. Right. No question. No question about it. Man, that's how it – and it's the same thing for basketball. Same same exact thing for basketball. You know, nobody wants to be the guy to point the finger at, you know. Everybody wants to point the finger. So <laughs> it's just – it's kind of the give and take of it. It's kind of the give and take of what you get when you play it. And, again, like, I, you know, you want to play the 1v1, that's cool. It's probably not as fun. But if you want to keep your ranking and you want to do that and the only person you can blame is yourself, then play, play golf, you know. <laughs> so, yeah that's what we tell them, and right? i think that i i think it's interesting what you say because basketball is a team game right correct and it's five people like you said i think that's a really good way to say it like it's 10 guys but there's only one ball and you have five people on the team but it's still also five individuals doing the best that they can to perform the best that they know how it's 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 an interesting uh like way to i don't know there's there's so much that goes into that like you can simplify it down to like hey you're five people on a team but then there are still five individuals that know the game how they know the game and play the game how they feel comfortable and trying to figure out how to best blend all of that together uh as is is one thing when you have a whole season or multiple years, right? Like yep. college athletes are there from their freshman sometimes to their senior year and yep. probably on your level, you know, you're seeing guys multiple years. Yep. But in Rocket League, you see a guy for five minutes and you spend the first minute and a half of that trying to figure out who the heck they are and how you're going to have to play around that. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting um balance to try and play as a team and uh you know give some respect to who you are as an individual and who your teammates are as individuals no question yeah and i guess i mean that does make it a little bit more difficult um you know because we we have guys that like you said that are year to year that you that you continue to develop relationships with um, which kind of makes it a little easier um at times and it could make it tougher too because you learn so much about the kid or the, the student that it it can kind of you know get to a point of where um, altercations and conflict can come about because you're so comfortable with the kid and you know they're comfortable with you. Um, but yeah, it's a little different. It's a little different, especially you know you're meeting the person for the first time over you know uh, first minute of rocket league and it's like oh shoot like this is what I got to play around and this is what I got to understand in a matter of five minutes. It's tough. It's definitely tough. Um, whereas, you know, the difference of, you know, you're you're as a coach, you're compiling the team that you want to kind of compile. You're recruiting kids. You're talking right. to them. You're understanding their backgrounds. You're understanding where they're coming from. You understand uh, where they where they've been, where they're trying to go. Those things um, play a huge huge role into understanding a team and understanding how to put the team together and understand how to win at, at the NBA. Where Rocket League is probably a little tough to do that because of the fact that you're you're kind of going in um, and, and kind of got to figure it out on the fly for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there are leagues that you can join and there's a professional circuit, but I mean, the majority of people out there in the world, just like the NBA and things of that nature, are not going to make it to that level. So, uh, and and you can queue up with teammates. Like it's not all random. Sometimes you can join a party and play with people on a consistent basis. Um, 
so that there is that and then you get into more of like what you said but uh you know the majority of players will play on their own and so it's a balance of trying to figure things out as you go yep. uh, which is always an adventure exactly exactly well um I'm going to start winding things down because we have been going for a while. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I just, I would, I would just like to say that uh, this has been really enjoyable, and I, I, I had a feeling that it would be a, a really good conversation and fun to catch up. And and even though you know, I I knew you were a basketball player um, way back in the day. Uh, we, we never ever got to like sit down and have like a sports athletic basketball type conversation. I don't know if I ever snuck into any of the open gyms when you were at Central at not or not. I think I threatened to a couple of times, but yeah, never actually yeah. <laughs> was uh, able to make it. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad that we did this. This was a this was a lot of fun. No question. I appreciate you having me on time. It was great to catch up. And, you know, I, anytime I can talk hoops, even in a different you know, aspect is this is it's always fun for me, and um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. For, definitely. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I always uh, end my episodes the same way. I'm gonna change things up just a little bit this time uh, because I want to make sure that people hear this and and make some effort if you're open to it. But uh, obviously, I always throw out my episodes links on Twitter. And make sure that people that follow me on there know that there is a new episode. And since you're not necessarily—I mean, you're not at all a part of the Rocket League community—if you're open to it, I would, I would, I just want to emphatically say that if you are listening to this, um, to hit Ed up on Twitter and just say uh, a very big thank you on there uh, for taking some time to come and join me and talk to uh, talk some general. Uh, getting better at things and how to focus on improving and that kind of mindset and everything that we've talked about. So uh, make sure that you go and do that. Um, I just do it for me because I would appreciate it. It means a lot to me that he came completely out of a whole different world, not knowing what he was getting into and was willing enough to have a conversation with me about this stuff. So, so that people can do that. Uh, Ed, what is what is your uh, Twitter handle? Twitter handle was at Ed McGee, M-C-G-H-E-E, and then the number one. So at Ed McGee one. Mm -hmm. And that will be linked in the show notes as well, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. So please uh, take some time to tag him and say thank you uh, for the episode, uh, because I think, uh, well, I know people are really going to like this one. Uh, because it was just really good. So I got that out of the way. That's usually number two. Number one now uh, is just any final thoughts that you would like to share uh, with the listeners of the podcast. Any any way that you would like to put a cherry on top of everything that we've talked about for the past hour and a half? Uh, no, I mean, it just, it's just very interesting to see the dynamic and the uh, relationship between, you know, Rocket League and some of the stuff I can input into it. Um, is from a from a you know basketball coaching and player standpoint, um, and and again you know you know I kind of try to throw little nuggets out there, and but um, overall man it's it's a it's a process um, that you have to understand and you know again being able to do what you you know do what you enjoy 
and have fun with it comes with it's com- it comes with mistakes it comes with learning um, it comes with uh, understanding so you know whether you're at the top of the level um, or the diamond league level or you're at the bottom of the of the rocket league level there's always room to to improve and there's always room to get better so I think that from the from a uh, a, a skill set standpoint and understanding dynamics of teams and things of that matter, I think that's always important. Whether you're at the top or at the bottom, there's always room for improvement. Nice, very good. Uh, and then, last but not least, I always let my guests ask a question to the audience. So. Uh, they can they can also hit you up on Twitter on this um, if you want to, and they put it in my Discord channel. I told you a little bit about Discord, but since you're not much of a gamer, you weren't really sure what that is, which is always funny yeah. uh, because it's so prevalent in my world. Um, but a question for the audience could be about Rocket League, could be about anything that's coming to your mind based on the conversation that we've had for the past uh, hour and a little bit. But uh, a question for people that might spark some interesting thoughts or what have you? Uh, I guess my question would be, what is the, what are the top three, I guess, most difficulties that Rocket League players deal with um, from a, I guess, team standpoint? Like what are the three things that you deal with in game um, that are, are the most difficult in, 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 in Rocket League play? That's the question I would want to know. Hmm. Interesting. That's a good question. I look forward to seeing those responses. People have been getting a lot more active uh, on my Discord channel again uh, in the podcast response section. So make sure you take some time to do that. And when you are uh, hitting Ed up on Twitter, uh, go ahead and answer those there. I would certainly love to see some of those shared as well. And who knows? You might just get sucked in sometime. Yeah, no question. <laughs> it, it might it might accidentally happen. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, again, I just would like to say one more time, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to chat with me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Um, and I will end the show like I always do. Ed, thank you for the boost. No doubt. Appreciate it again, Tom.